Welcome to Season 1, Episode 17 of Nothing Better To Do Podcast. If this is your uh, first time, welcome to our hardcore version of a fireside chat. If you're a loyal listener, high fives and welcome back. My name is Sean, I run Another City Records, and next to me, virtually, is my good pal, Rich. What's up, guys? Today, we have a super awesome guest. Rich, do you want to do the introduction? Sure. Um, So, we are going to be talking to... My old buddy Naraj uh, of uh, Hope Conspiracy, Suicide File, and uh, uh, d- dozens of other bands, I'm sure. But uh, when I first met him, he was in the flagship band of the vegan straight edge scene in Chicago, Extinction. What's up, uh, Naraj? <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, dude, that 7-inch is really good. The LP I've been really? listening to in ages, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I like. It. Yeah, I mean for for that time, probably. I mean, I haven't listened to it either, but um, I mean, you guys were doing yeah, something different than anyone else. You didn't sound like Earth Crisis, you know, like yeah. Uh, that, I mean, you know, obviously it's like I was into Earth Crisis back then, and mm-hmm. um, but the stuff that really spoke to me at the time was you know Undertow, Unbroken. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, those bands, you know, damnation, you know. yeah, and I heard outspoken, I think, in it as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, time I was really, into, yeah. yeah, like early, like out, like later outspoken, kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as I often do, I, I just uh, gonna ask you to give us your punk rock origin story. Story, excuse me. Um. Yeah. So, uh, I guess. You know, starts obviously with skateboarding for me, <laughs> as yeah. many. Uh, you know, I just felt like I got into, you know, I was always looking for something different. And then it's like seventh grade, I connected with a couple of people who, you know, we were like really just not like super uber nerds, but also not like cool kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, you know, had kind of our own thing and uh, one of the guys that was we'd hang out with you know was like super into the whole skate culture early um and turned out he wasn't that great of a skater but you know that doesn't <laughs> matter but uh no um he get, basically introduced me and my friend dan carolyn who still to this day like you know him and i are friends even though i've been talking a long time but he's still um yeah, he ended up like being friends with like Dave Mendel from Indecision and stuff like moving out here, mm-hmm. living with him. It was just random. But uh, yeah, him and I got into um, skateboarding. And then I remember my friend, one of the friends gave us, gave me a Dead Kennedys tape. And I was like, yeah, man, if you skate, this is like kind of like goes hand in hand. And then that was it, you know, started listening to Dead Kennedys, um, Meyer Threat, like JFA. Mm-hmm like a lot of skate punk bands, but then like exploited, you know, cause then you'd see all the, you know, thrasher magazines with like dudes wearing, you know, fucking punk band shirts, you know, it's like JFA, yeah. Descendants, uh, um, you know, stuff like that. And then you'd watch skate videos and I'd be like, ah, oh, who the fuck is this band? They're awesome. And it was like Black mm-hmm. Flag, you know, Keith Morris era of Black Flag or, or Des era of Black Flag. And then Descendants and, like marginal man and and other dc hardcore bands too you know minor threat and just like you know just started getting fugazi you know just getting into more and more stuff like that um when, and then that kind of drove me into um 
I didn't start. I didn't realize I was gonna be able to play music, but then I got really big into the and just into the hardcore and punk scene in Chicago. Like so, Naked Ray Gun, Screeching Weasel, um, Billingsgate. You know, those mm-hmm. are all like the Chicago bands that I'd go see growing up. And I think my first actually hardcore show was Slapshot in Billingsgate. Um, was that and, at McGregor's or? Yeah, it's at McGregor's. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a lot of early shows at McGregor's. I saw Green Day and Shudder to Think on tour together. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and there was maybe like maybe like 60 kids there. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty awesome because I went to go see Shudder to Think. I didn't know Green Day was. I wasn't really into like mm-hmm. Lookout Record or like pop punk necessarily. Like, I mean... I don't think that was a term that then. If you just listen to punk and hardcore, you just listen to everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that Screeching Weasel was like a pop punk band, you know, or like Descendants was like more poppy. I mean, that's a term now, but they just were like, oh yeah, I listen to Descendants and I listen to fucking Chromags, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny you say that. Like I mm-hmm. I don't know how like when that term came into my like vernacular, but mm-hmm. it it wasn't back then. You know, as a kid. You just like, oh, I listened to this or I listened to that. And, and the term pop punk just wasn't in there. And then one day yeah. it sort of was. It was like uh, uh, like somebody just implanted it in my head and just, you know, like it was everyday usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. I mean, my if, if I gave you my playlist for high school, it's like, it's they're just punk bands, you know, for me, you know, but then you're like, mm-hmm. now it's like, like, for me, it was like Bad Religion, No Control, Descendants, Liveage, which is still my favorite live record of all time, uh, and my favorite Descendants record, to be honest. Really? Um, oh. Yeah. Um, just because it, it has a time and place for me, you know? Um, yeah. And well, uh, Chromags, uh, Age of Coral, Bad Brains, Quickness. Um, what was your... I'm trying to think kind of regarding that what was your thoughts when you first heard best wishes like were you just like fuck this or oh no i was like what the fuck is this you know and it was weird because i had the some of the guys i skated with at the time were like Mm -hmm. they were skaters but also like dressed a little bit more preppy played soccer and were pseudo skinheads (laughs) like they would wear like polos or not Fred Perry's really because none of us had the money, but tucked in and sometimes it'd show up with braces, you know? Like, <laughs> but, and I was like, what is going on? But like, you know, the, sock, the Adidas, like Samba soccer shoes and shit. And so I got into a lot of oi. I really got into like a ton of oi music early on and I love it still. Um, and so it was like, yeah, Chromax was just like, oh, this is a skinhead, man. We're listening to that. Foreskins, you know, I loved the Foreskins. Yeah. So it was like Chromax, Foreskins, uh, Sham 69, mm-hmm. you know, name it, Blitz, you know, all that shit, you know? I remember Jeff Johns, we, we talked about him before the show, but Jeff mm-hmm. Johns, who's a, if you don't know, if whoever's listening, Jeff Johns, he's a, a 400-year-old character. <laughs> like, he discovered, like, he, he learned about hardcore at his 53rd birthday party when he met HR, and, uh, um, but he gave me a Blitz record, and yeah. I was like, what the fuck this is awesome <laughs> like you know it, it was it was so good and still to this day i, I like they're like an important band to me 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like so it's like it's like weird because when I tell sometimes some people that like some of the first punk bands I got into is like British Oi and they're just like, Really? Because it's you know, obviously the connotation is like skinheads and then you mm-hmm. automatically get the, the, the negative connotation of skinheads, you know, um, for people who don't know, and then I was just like, yeah. No, man, I was just you know, it was fucking kick ass music. They weren't no one's talking about fucking racism or shit, you know, it's like Mm-hmm. facts of anti-racist you know it's like um so but you know in england it's like if i was in england people would be like whoa there's this like fucking indian dude who listens to the fucking oi you know <laughs> i mean i got i got you know asked that when i was touring with hope conspiracy like 10 years ago when we played england where people were just like whoa it's really weird to see like a south asian dude in a fucking punk band or a hardcore band i was like Hmm. wow that's pretty shitty <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's... shitty to say to me <laughs> yeah well uh, and, yeah well and you know getting back i guess to best wishes like i'd heard yeah. age of coral before it and mm-hmm. like when i heard best wishes i like the music's good but i mean just like everyone those fucking vocals kill it oh no like... i love it man i love it <laughs> i think the yeah. first time i met anyone who like who was was about it was was when I moved to Chicago and Jim like Jim Grimes would just be kind of shrug his shoulders and be like those are good thrash metal songs dude like, <laughs> yeah. yeah no that uh, there's like four songs on that record four or five songs on that record that are fucking awesome mm-hmm. uh, Death Camps that is one a brilliant fucking song um, mm-hmm. Crush the Demoniac yep. another fucking awesome song I mean. You can't dispute that Holly Flanagan is not a fucking awesome musician. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if I ever told you this, Rich. I heard Best Wishes before I heard Age of Coral, and so, I, while I like, I mean, I recognize and I, I like Age of Coral better. Um, Best Wishes has like a, like a, I don't know, a sentimental spot in my heart because I heard it first. Sure, sure. Well, and, and at this point, as much of a fucking douchebag as JJ is, it, it's probably yeah. a little bit easier to listen to Best Wishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's a total doucher. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I, uh, yeah, Chromax is like one of the first, like, heavier, like, hardcore. I'd say, like, sick of it all on Chromax. Mm-hmm. If you're, like, strictly, like, hardcore wise, I'd say, like, Sick of it all, Chromags, um, Judge. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the first, like heavier, like hardcore stuff that I got into, and Bad Brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bad Brains stuff, uh, I actually listened to Quickness before I got into the rest of the catalog. And that's a good record, a really good record. In fact. A fucking awesome record, yeah. And then I, like, I listened to the early stuff, and I was like, holy shit, this band is insane. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, and Minor Threat, you know, but Minor Threat could still be like that, oh, you know, we're punk hardcore, you know. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. I mean, all the bands I mentioned are hardcore bands, but, you know, like, uh, I didn't know the term hardcore at that time when I was listening yeah. to, like, you know, Minor Threat. I was just like, oh, this is just, like, punk music, you know. Well, and I think from our generation, like that's probably the last generation where like punk and hardcore to a to one extent or another was pretty interchangeable. Like, yeah, totally. you know, you may not call I, I certainly wouldn't call like, say, Sex Pistols a hardcore band, but 
I, I wouldn't have a problem with someone calling, I don't know, the dead Kennedys, a hardcore band. Exactly. Or, I mean, you you know, we exploited, I know exploited as a punk band, but yeah, I I would easily see exploited and sick of it. Like that'd be an awesome show for me, you know, back. Yeah. 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 I I mean, you know, a little bit of fairness in there is, uh, you know, we, we all lived in Chicago at some point where a lot of the shows were, you know, mixed bill shows, you know, you'd have like a pop punk band with a hardcore band and it, it was not a big deal. Like you didn't even, like, I didn't even think about it until years later that, Oh, Hey, it's not like that everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it helped with that interchangeability where it's just kind of, I listened to like the punk spectrum here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, th- and when I first started getting into the punk scene in Chicago, it was all, everybody played with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as, like, the 90s progressed, it started fragmenting pretty fucking, pretty, yeah. pretty quick. And it's it kind of, it sucked, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know, I wish that it was more, like, united and, and more, um, you know, connected. But you had, I mean, it's a big city, so you, I could see that happening. But you had, like, the indie rock kids and then you had like you know the those like power violence kids and then you had the kids who played like you know the the metallic hardcore which you know those are the bands i was mostly in and um you know it's like but i liked all the other stuff too you know Mm -hmm. and there's so many good musicians coming out of chicago that it'd been awesome to uh i mean i would love to have played with more musicians from like different subgenres of that scene you know yeah, it felt like Crudos was kind of the like uniting factor between all of them, like in a weird way. Like I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. But they also had like you know Charles Bronson and MK Ultra. Yeah, wouldn't pl- necessarily play shows with other you mm-hmm. know bands or whatever you know, mm-hmm. um, or and vice versa. Like not saying that. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think both those bands are awesome, and I think you know Los Crudos obviously is just like incredible, and I I've I've been seeing them since like you know, the early nineties, you know, so mm-hmm. they were a band that definitely kind of like, like just, yeah, superseded everybody just because of, I think the importance also, I mean, musically they were fucking incredible, but live shows were amazing. But I think just from a, um, you know, just like they, they're, you know, they're like Chicago through and through, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'm going to go a little deep cut here was Cornerstone, your first band, Narash. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then high school, like, you know, I got into, and I didn't know I was ever going to play in a band until my friend Jordan Baker, actually, who lives in California as well, Mm -hmm. who I see from time to time. um, He found some, like, instruments at a Salvation Army or something like that, like a a drop-off, and he found a guitar, and he's like, yo, we're going to do a band. And I was like, "Uh, okay, cool. I haven't played guitar in a long time. Or I actually don't even play guitar. I don't even know how to do this, you know? Um, and he just, like, gave me uh, – he's like, hey, you're learning this. And then our friend Chad played drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chad and I knew each other from the hardcore scene back then, too. He was in a band called Time Out, um, like, a couple years before that. Uh, that used to play shows with, like, Billings Gate a bunch. Um and like this whole other scene in Chicago called the Shake Fork Records. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. them. Yeah, I, I, um, Gage actually might have been the first Chicago band I saw, and they were part. Oh of yeah, that. yeah. So yeah. Gage, yeah. So Time Out would play with Gage a, a lot, and uh, so I'd go to those shows. And I met Chad because both of us <laughs> were on 
our high school gymnastics teams. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you were a, a gymnast as well. Huh? Yeah. So we'd be at like a meet. He went to Schaumburg high school, I went to Hoffman States high school, and then we'd see each other and we knew we saw each other at shows, but then like when you're warming up, you're not like wearing your like school, you know, singlet, you're wearing like a whatever shirt. And I think he had like a gorilla biscuit shirt on and I had like a naked ray gun shirt and we're just like, what? You know, at that time, seeing a punk or seeing a skater was like seeing fucking a ghost, you know? You're like, whoa, <laughs> you know? And so you'd immediately talk to them. And so him and I became friends that way. And then, you know, he's like, dude, we got to start a band. I'm like, I don't play an instrument. And then Jordan's like, well, you do now. And I was like, well, guess I do. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we started that band Cornerstone. And I just kind of like figured out a power chord and then went from there. Yeah. And both you and Chad are still around Playing doing music. doing bands yeah 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 um and i still talk to i still talk to chad um yeah him and i will like but yeah he was the first cornerstone was the first band that i did and then after that you know there was like subsequent others after we we um stopped cornerstone we, we um i was in a band called disdain for a while and that was with me grimes John Nicholson, mm-hmm. um, aka Black Gigi, and yep. um, and then like that's uh, a name I have not heard in a long time. <laughs> I follow him yeah, on still, Instagram. Yeah, I still what does he do now? Too. He's he an art handler. Art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an art handler, um, and fucking skates like fuck all the time. He's all, he's awesome. <laughs> I'll see. I used to see him in New York, uh, quite a bit um when i lived there but um yeah so we started a band that and that band eventually turned into extinction mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. he was the original bassist of extinction before uh, he was the original bass Adam, bassist, right? yeah but at first when we did when we did disdain it was grimes on drums okay. me playing guitar uh god who was playing bass i forgot who was playing bass and then was it brian Ryder? Oh yeah, Brian Ryder was playing bass, and John was John Nicholson was singing. Uh, and I think the first show we played with that lineup was with Disembodied <laughs> on on one of their first shows in Chicago. And then uh, we just had to switch up the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jim decided to sing. We got Gofsky to play drums, um, and then. Um, forgot who else um didn't wentz play in that band too he was yeah, towards the at end points yeah yeah at different points if we needed a bass player he'd be in and then at one point he, <laughs> at one point he i think he did he record i think he might have even recorded with us on the on the full line huh. yeah i i mean so yeah shane at one for like three or four shows played bass for you guys i remember oh uh, shane did a tour with us actually yeah yeah, like... we were on tour with Trial and and Bane, I think. No, we were playing shows was, with Trial. It was definitely and... with Trial, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and Bane and Saves the Day were on tour together, and our tours like kind of met up. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. That was a big show. Yeah. Um. And that. Yeah, and, and then so and we tried to think. Sorry. Yeah, we did that. It was like me, uh, Adam Bishop would play bass sometimes, and then. Uh, when Jay, uh, Jensetic couldn't do it a- anymore, that's when we got 
Adam moved to guitar and Wentz played bass. Mm-hmm. Well, I, re- but. I remember hearing stories. I don't ever actually remember seeing this, and, and I was probably at most of the shows that you guys played, but like supposedly there were shows where Wentz just didn't plug in. <laughs> Oh, that was like that was that was like common knowledge. I no no I he don't he he it. always he always plugged in and he mm-hmm. always played. It's mm-hmm. just there was there was definitely points in the in the songs where he would just jump. Yeah, yeah, and and then hit the hit the E, which was fine. Um, yeah, fuck it, man, you're, you're going off. I don't I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, back then, but yeah, that was definitely a, the kind of running joke. Was like oh. Wentz, he doesn't play. And it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> He's a performer through and through. That's sure. true. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you ever run into him living in Southern no, California? No, it's been seriously twenty years, man, since I've talked to that dude. I saw I saw um Andy. Actually, uh, not a lot, but when mm-hmm. Sect started as a band. Sure. Um the band Hesitation Wounds that I that I do the mm-hmm. project that I do would play sh- played a few shows with them mm-hmm. and so i'd see him and it's really good i mean him and i just like when we meet it's just like oh we're back in chicago like yeah our, you know it's just like we've known each other for such a long time and our bands have played together and i'll see like joe too um from mm-hmm. fallout boy and super awesome we're actually i think working on a project together oh right nice now. yeah um but um but yeah, I don't really see Wentz as much. Uh, actually, at all. I haven't seen him in 20 years, which yeah. sucks because before Fall Out Boy got big, him and I were, were really fucking tight. Mm-hmm. Didn't he like, live in your clo- in a closet in a place you were... Yeah, him and Charlie lived in lived in my closet on Southport <laughs> and Wrightwood. Oh, that house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he lived in that house and... Wentz was like in and out, but Charlie definitely lived there for a couple months and he had mm-hmm. no money, so he'd just do our dishes. Yeah. Yeah, he um, was But then Wentz would like book tours on our fucking phone. And I would get home and I'm like I get home I'm like, what the fuck is the phone bill all about here? And it's like Wentz making fucking long distance calls to book a tour for you know, whatever band he was in, like Birthright or some shit. Or yeah. I think it might I think it might have been at that time. I don't even know what band he was in. Was it that band he did that Benai was in with him? And I think Jay might have been in it as well. Arma Angelus? Arma Angelus, yeah. I don't know if Arma Angelus had started yet. Maybe okay. could have been. but And then he'd always get in trouble for fucking sketchy shit. And then like at <laughs> five in the mo- at like yeah. three or four in the morning, I'd get a knock on the door. I'm like, what the fuck is it? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Wentz is like running from the cops or some shit like that. So yep. then he'd yep. stay at the house for like a week, you know, and then shit like that. The stories. Yeah. Well, even yeah. before that, my girlfriend at the time um, used to live in Evanston. Mm-hmm. And her and Wentz and me were like super close. We'd hang out all the time. Um, you know, he was like a little brother for sure, you know. Pete, um, Pete and I used to date the same girl at the same time, and oh, she was okay. trying to get us to fight. Oh, <laughs> and, okay. And we sort we knew who each other was, but like we uh-huh. we didn't like you know we never hung out before. Yeah. And yeah. and then we're like, dude, this we're more fun to hang out with than her. So then we kind of became <laughs> friends after that. 
nice yeah but that's like yeah so um yeah there was extinction and he played in that for a while and then after it uh i just got kind of like got i just wanted to do something more like like serious you know and extinction was such a pain at times because we had Gofsky in the band and sometimes Gofsky would live in he lived in Chesterton so it was like kind of hard for him to come out and practice and then you know so it was like kind of like the interest was always waning and then like Rich then we did Sever the Chord mm-hmm. um, and that was like a lot of fun but then again you have Jay Jensetic in the band so it's- and I was in not in my best mental state at that time in my life either to be quite yeah, honest yeah. so I th- I'm sure you remember the show we played at UFC where I flipped out because my act- active electronics on my bass shed on me uh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, I just like went just fucking wouldn't talk to anyone. And and I think we tried to borrow a bait. It was uh, two Louisville bands actually played Flight 19. And oh, what was that band that uh, they got else? pretty popular? Oh, National Acrobat. Like, oh, National Acrobat played? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, wow. Okay, we played, well, that was early yeah. on that. Yeah, it was, and uh, we tried to borrow. We became really good friends with Ryan afterwards. Ryan, who played in National Acrobat. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what? I I probably should. uh, I I actually uh, Steve cuts my hair. Steve from Breathe and Resist. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Wait, where are you living now? I live in Louisville. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you lived in like Michigan. I didn't know you lived. Oh no, no, no. Oh fuck! I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I didn't know uh, Steve was still in, in Louisville. God damn, that yeah. record is fucking killer. <laughs> yeah, I he's love a good that dude. record. Yeah. So uh, I talked to like yeah the Patterson uh, brothers are good friends and mm-hmm. um, that's crazy that National Acrobat. Oh, I gotta tell him that I'm like you know one of my bands early early on before I even moved to Boston mm-hmm. played with you guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then there was like several the chord and I was like oh this has got potential and then of course you know. Well, and it seemed like things were kind of against been, us too for some. Who reason. was playing drums in our band? Brian Ryder. Oh yeah, that's that's one right there. Definitely. Like I felt like the songs were good, and we, you know, it was it was hard to not be tight with with you know they weren't terribly complex songs, so like yeah, yeah. but like yeah, it, it just felt like no one was no one was interested at all. Like it's yeah, that's just kind of what happened with Chicago for me. It was just like mm-hmm. you know, I I want I, and at that time it was like shit was like really transitional in my life like i was in graduate school at depaul and i didn't want to mm-hmm. kind of be there i was just kind of like oh i guess this is what i do now you know and then like my relationship ended with like a serious girlfriend and i was like and the guys from harvest were good friends of mine and they decided to break up and then immediately when they broke up i got i got a call from those guys they're just like hey man i don't know what's going on with your band or whatever but um harvest broke up we want to start a new band and we want you to play guitar mm-hmm. and we probably are going to move to either California or the East coast. So it's easier for us to tour. Cause I think all of us were just sick of being in Minneapolis and Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. and having to drive like six hours to go anywhere for a decent show. And, yeah. um, so at first I said no, because my girlfriend at the time and I were trying to work the shit out. And then once it completely shit the bed, 
um, I gave him a call. I'm like, yo, man, I'm, I, I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to get out of here. And I'm totally down to do this. So mm-hmm. um, I actually started going up to Minneapolis probably like six months before uh, we all moved out to um, uh, Boston. And I ended up writing, um, we ended up writing our first demo, basically almost all of it before we even got to Boston without vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then I moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably one of the best decisions I made um, at the time. And, you know, I was in Boston for three years and, you know, Hope, Hope Conspiracy started and we toured a shit ton. Mm-hmm. And then... I wasn't in that band for a little bit. Then I started my own thing, the suicide file. And then that was really unexpected um, that people like really took to that band. And then, you know, I was doing like, and then for a while I was doing both, you know, because I went back to HopeCon and then, um, yeah. And then I got to like play with like people who, you know, during that time that I was like, whoa, I didn't never thought that I'd be playing in a band with Porcel or, you know, Mm -hmm. like shit like that. Um, oh, were you were you in one of the early lineups of uh, Never Surrender? No, I was in a band with him called Last of the Famous. Oh, you were in that band <laughs> at the beginning, and then I was like, okay. "God damn, this is bad." Ken Olden was at again. one point too, wasn't he? Was yeah, Ken yeah, Olden I think so. Yeah. yeah, it was like a rotating lineup of like people who had played in Shelter at one point, and 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 yeah. me. <laughs> um, that was a band that really didn't like it it seemed like they were poised to do something and it just kind of kind of seems like it shit the bed like uh i don't know it was just kind of too it was like i don't know yeah it's just wasn't wasn't for me so then i uh yeah um yeah so that that's like you know and then yeah it's been really cool i mean doing like you know touring and stuff has been awesome and playing in different bands and and I'd say definitely playing with HopeCon made started my journey on becoming like a way better musician. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the professionalism involved, you know. Yeah. When you um, when you moved to Boston, did you find yourself missing Chicago at all, or were you kind of just like? And I know you guys the when you first moved there, you were playing constant. Yeah, no, it's it was awesome because everyone in Boston was so welcoming. Like I didn't feel like an outsider at all. Like right away, it's like you know the guys from Bing, guys from from Converge, and like you know they're still like some of them are still like good friends till this day. You know, like um, you know when they come through town, we go out to dinner. You know, it's like it's it's a lot of people from Boston became very very close friends, and now that I'm in LA there's a lot of people from Boston, New York, and Philly who I met through moving. I mean, through moving and playing in bands out on the East coast that are like lifelong friends now, you know, that are out here, you know? And honestly, there's a lot of people from Chicago who haven't really like, you know, maintained friendships that, that well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have like, you know, I'll talk to Benai who's awesome. Decker once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, money, Mustofi, because we're just like super close, you know, just like almost like family, you know. Um, you know, his sister Beto and Craig, you know, Craig's like one of my closest friends. So, um, and Gofsky, I'll talk to every time I go to go to Chicago, I'll talk to Gofsky still, you know, he's he's awesome. Yeah, how's Jason doing? I mean, I follow him on Instagram, but I, 
don't he's good. He's just the same old man. He's playing in playing in the Sweet Cobra and um um he's got a couple other things going. He's got a kid now. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, he moved up to Niles. Niles, Illinois. Yeah, he lives up in Niles now. They bought a house, a really. Cool I, I thought house. he was never going to leave Northwest Indiana. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, he sold a house. Oh, he's he's been living in the city now for like ten years. Mm, mm. Um, and then he moved out to um, and then he moved out to uh, not him and his uh partner. They moved up to Niles, and she's awesome. And um, every time I go out there, we usually like meet up for like dinner oh, or something. Nice. Is, yeah. Does Jim? It seems like from what I can tell. Like, I don't keep very close contact with him at all, but does Jim have a kid now, it looks like, or a stepson or something? Um, I don't know. I haven't really, uh, I haven't really, I don't, I mean, I talked to Jim, but I haven't, I don't really, we don't really, I don't really know what's going on with his, like, private life, necessarily. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Yeah. Because um, he had posted he something with him someone, the kid. I think he might have been dating someone with, like, you know, maybe his girlfriend as a son or something, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, at this um, age, it's kind of yeah. It's like it's kind of it comes with the territory. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So it's like when I go back to Chicago, it's like now when I go back, it's usually I just like hang out with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll see, you know, I'll come into town to see a couple people that I'm friends with still. You know, you see Red Alert at all or? Nah, he's like full on like hockey dad out in fucking like <laughs> Lyle or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I oh, know he's in like Elmhurst. He's in Elmhurst, and like randomly the dude will post something about like a conviction seven inch, and I'm just like, dude, <laughs> fucking, are you just sitting in a fucking time like capsule right now? Oh wow. Yeah, he's like full on hockey dad. He's got two kids, I think. Oh, okay. I knew he had one at one point. He... Yeah, I think he has a second one. He's he's Mister Mom. He I I know he does. He wasn't working last time I talked to him. Uh-huh. I... Uh huh. I think it. What's that? I was just gonna say, like, at one point in some like Facebook group that him and I both were in, I mm-hmm. like said that I liked the first Lifetime Seven Inch, and for some reason, my in my memories, I thought Chris uh-huh. did too. And, oh yeah, and he messaged me to tell me that I was wrong and how shitty that record. Is. I was like, dude, really? You're arguing about a fucking lifetime record from like 1991? <laughs> Classic red alert, though. It's like, who gives a fuck? You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's like, you know, like there'll be like some awesome show or something like in like. A reunion of like some bands like integrity mm-hmm. or some shit like that and he'd be like i'm like dudes in chicago you're gonna go he's like yeah i'm gonna go and then like he like ends up just staying home and like reading like hockey magazine or something so i don't know <laughs> or plays like whatever like video game sports video game there is jeez oh yeah i don't really talk to him so um, <laughs> yeah it's cool. weird yeah so it's like but yeah chicago's kind of been like uh it's sort of like a ghost town to me now. Huh. Like, yeah, when I go back, it doesn't feel, it feels like home in the way, like if I go back to the suburb, you know, mm-hmm. like where I grew up, but if I go back in the city, it doesn't feel like home anymore. See, for me, like for whatever reason, I mean, a lot of those people that I was 
good friends with when I lived there. I'm not so much, mm-hmm. you know, tight with anymore, but like there's definitely a group of people that I've maintained. I would say that my best friends in the world mostly live in Chicago, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where whenever I go back, it's it's kind of nice. But but yeah, I can. I mean, when I go to Michigan, where I'm originally from, it's yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I lived in. I moved from Chicago to Philly for like nine years, and uh-huh. um, and then I moved back. God, in two thousand eight. Wow, it's been a long time now. Um, and I go back because my wife's from there, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I. I don't keep in touch with like anybody like yeah. superficially like we're on Facebook and like, yeah. you know, randomly like a message, but like, I have no idea where they, they live or what they do mm-hmm. or anything. It's so weird. And you know, these were people I was, I was tight with for like almost a decade. Yeah. 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 It's interesting how that, how that, that, that happens. And it's really weird because I was in Boston for maybe four years and then you know playing up and down the east coast i just made so many so so many close friends all up and down the east coast and when i then i moved back to chicago and i was still friends with all of them and i was lucky that they were in bands that were like still coming through town and so i'd see them or i was working on records with them so i'd fly out back out to boston or fly out to philly whatever um so there's never really that disconnect but it feels like a lot of my close friends who i like consider family are all like, you know, people that I was in bands with for, for years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and not everybody, but like HopeCon for sure. Like we are like family, like no doubt, you know, like those dudes are like my brothers hands down. And that's like our just, you know, we will, we'll get together and not practice or not, you know, play show what, I mean, we're not active, I guess right now, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll just like, oh, let's book a weekend in Joshua Tree and all of us like meet up and because three of us, four of us live out here and are singers in Boston. But like, you know, we'll fly out and have like just a weekend of hanging out with each other, you know, like a family reunion. And it's a blast. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was Hesitation Wounds the last like thing you did in terms of like new bands that you were? I mean, it sounds um, like you might be working on a project right now but yeah there's a new band that um we i put a record out with my friend todd um who was in that band holy fever with me mm-hmm. um and my friend fred who actually is now like my pseudo like landlord like his wife bought the house um where i live in the back house of their house Oh, nice. And so Fred used to be in Darkest Hour. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I know him from back at, in D.C. because Hope Kind used to play a lot of shows with Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we re, got reacquainted out here, and then we decided to do a band called God Collider. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And, it, okay. and it's like more metal, and now we're working on the full length, and it's like fucking blistering metal like <laughs> metallic hardcore which i've never played really because he's like a shredder and uh and so that's what we're working on now hesitation wounds put out our record last year mm-hmm. or the year before i think yeah it was a lot we put out like a six song ep um on death wish and that was the last thing we did did you put something on indecision too 
uh, God Collider was on Indecision. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 recently. Yeah, that he put out the vinyl um, because I didn't know who was going to do a record. I was like, well, it looks like we're self-releasing it. And then I had a conversation with Mandel, and he not about the record, but I told him I was doing this project, and he's like, yo, who's doing a record? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, he's like, I'll do it. I'm like, I didn't know you still, you were still a label. He's like, dude, you're like, <laughs> He's like, you're family, man. He's like, I'll fucking put a re-. He's like, I love putting out records for friends, you know, or just putting out records. He's like, I miss it. And he's like, I'm not doing it obviously full time or as like a job, but he's yeah. like, it's one of my favorite things to do is put up. So he'll do like small runs of like, you know, so he did like a, you know, small run of our vinyl and um, it was pretty fucking kick ass. <laughs> but, you know, again, it was hard to play. You know, we didn't play that many shows. And then it was hard to get shows, and then pandemic happened, and you know, kind of put everything on pause. And then, um, and then like Holy Fever was actually we played the last shows I, I played before the pandemic was Holy Fever was on was playing like a weekend with this band called Ways Away, which is the drummer from who plays in Hopeton, and mm-hmm. the guitar player Sergi from Sam I Am. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's like it's like a it's like their project, and it's really good. Um, and so we did a couple, we did like a weekend with them, and it was a blast. And then we got, you know, we were gonna do like punk rock bowling and a couple other festivals. And then the pandemic hit, and we're like, just when we thought we were gonna be a band again, and then it fucking you know fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we even had a good, we even had an awesome guitar player fill, uh, that was filling in. But then we're just like, oh, you're gonna play with us, you know? Uh, do you know that pop band? Have you heard of them called Borns? B O R N S. They had a song out like maybe like two, three years ago on the radio. It was really big. Anyways, he was like the session. He's like their like hired gun guitar player, uh-huh. Connor. And he's actually from Peoria. He's really young, but his music taste is fucking awesome. And he's a shredder on guitar. And so he just like joined us and was like, fuck yeah, I'll play in this band. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a blast. Um, but yeah, that pandemic happened, so that stopped, and then we just decided to put a fork in it. And yeah. then T- Todd and I decided to, and Fred, we're like, let's just keep writing. Let's just finish writing our uh, God Collider record. So um, we're trying to make it like probably ten to fifteen songs, and and some of them are really heavy and really hard, and then some like like metallic and like you know kind of DBD, and then some of them are um, very like space kind of um i guess space rocky and some of them are like mm-hmm. god flesh so it's like i wanted to do a record that was going to be very diverse not just oh it starts from song one to song 10 and all just sounds the same you know yeah yeah um because um, it can get really monotonous with heavy records you're like god damn you know there's no diversity on this record you know so yeah one of the problems a lot of times i think with when bands set out to make heavy records is sometimes they sacrifice like songwriting to just be mm-hmm. heavy. So yeah. That's, yeah. So it, yeah, that's kind of so, like, there's gotta um, be that sweet spot. Yeah. So that's been, that's been pretty fun. Uh, but during the pandemic, I basically just stopped playing music for a while. It's like, you know what? This is the first time in probably like 25 years that I haven't played a show in a year like in over yeah this is the longest i've ever gone without playing a show that's and and so it sucks but then it also kind of gave me some time to step away and kind of re reconfigure my life in a way you know Mm -hmm. 
hard because it's like I've put music as a priority in my life for most of it. You know, even though I had like, oh, I went to school, went to grad school, became a teacher, but I was ready to drop that shit at the drop of a hat if I was in a band, <laughs> I was going to go on tour, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and now that's not necessarily the case. You know, it's like, um, you know, I'm 46, you know, uh, I because I'm in punk bands, I have no fucking retirement, no fucking, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nothing. So it's like, uh, I figured I needed to get a real job and, and work and, sometimes like you know you know, I, I just did a lot of like blame i guess played the blame game on on music like and i really got angry at it for a while you know yeah no and uh, yeah i guess so, the last music i did was when i lived in dc i've i've tried to do some things since i've been mm-hmm. living back in middle america again and it's just yeah. at this point i just kind of don't care like i'll just find other ways to to enjoy myself so yeah yeah yeah, and and so for me it's like that's what i thought i'd do and then Mm -hmm. it's still there you know what i'm saying there's still that like tug oh yeah are so and you've you you've been uh riding quite a bit too right like you you have a bike oh yeah yeah i ride motorcycles now that's been uh that's that was like a saving grace during during the pandemic Mm -hmm. um yeah so I ride like Triumphs and mm-hmm. like Husqvarna, you know, like European motorcycles and like, yeah. um, there's like strong, like crew of like hardcore guys, punk guys that I ride with. And so we all like, um, it's just like really cool, cool bunch of guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, two of them are from Seattle originally. So we're always talking about great music. <laughs> <laughs> you know great bands uh you rich how long you've been in louisville for because you actually might know one of the guys i've lived here for fuck, um probably about 14 years oh so you probably know uh do you know eagle barber yes my wife actually was friends with him i wouldn't say that like i know him but I, oh okay I, yeah. yeah so eagle i play uh i ride a lot with eagle yeah he lives in long beach right so, uh, he lives in he used to live in Long Beach. Now he lives in uh Santa Ana. He bought a house with his wife. Okay. Um but him and I met like that summer right when the pandemic uh when the lockdown went went into mm-hmm. effect. Me and my friend Eric from here rode out to Vegas to meet up with um his my friend Eric's friend Will, mm-hmm. who also back in the day uh is a hardcore kid from Seattle who actually started like Harkonnen, he start. He was in These oh. Arms Are Snakes, and um, so it was Eagle and him were meeting us. So we met up, and we all like went on this like huge ride all through the Southwest, and like camping, like we just had you know camp gear on our bikes, and just went all through the Southwest and stuff, and just really connected. And um, it was really cool. It was like being on tour, but not having to worry about fucking loading or shitty fucking. <laughs> clubs or you know playing in front of two kids you know (laughs) yeah yeah um it was uh yeah it was a blast so then like you know three of uh, you know four of us like became super tight so now it's like eagle's also a great musician so i had eagle you know is playing in another project with me called pet is he drumming or playing guitar he's playing drums in that band um but he might be playing guitar another in another project that him and i i'm always like as many i can as many bands as I can do, I will do. 
I saw like he had a band here that um some people I was also friendly with were was in with him and uh yeah he was in a he's band a good guitarist yeah he was in a he was in a he was playing drums for oh for yeah he was in that band Frontiers. with Chris uh yeah Higdon yeah Chris Higdon yep mm-hmm. um and the dude who played in Elliot was the guy from Mouthpiece I think yeah Matt Weeder yeah Matt Weeder yeah and that band was fucking good yeah they were. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he was playing drums in that. And that's uh, I knew that he had played music before, but we had met years ago because he was in a band from Seattle called Stay Gold. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was on Indecision. And then he was also in a band called Hardesty where he sang. And HopeCon, our last tour that we did in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, they played Seattle with us. Oh, OK. Yeah. And I didn't I knew what he looked like and I remember him uh being a drummer but i i didn't remember and then we reconnected out he, um out here uh and that like literally during the pandemic and now we're like pretty tight that's awesome yeah yeah you know I, how sometimes you just like meet people and you just automatically like connect and that's how it was mm-hmm. like like all the same bands like have the same like influences we dislike all the same bands <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. you know we, we have you know love of motorcycles love of old skateboarding culture and um yeah just like yeah super cool dude yeah he, he um, was uh he was definitely hit me as a, I, I mean he left shortly after i moved here but uh yeah hit me as a very um, friendly guy yeah so then like we um but yeah so i ride motorcycles a lot um i haven't ra- ridden motorcycles in the past two months which is like rare Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been raining in LA a lot more than usual, which is good. But um, I also one of my bikes is in um, conversion mode. I'm trying to build it into a, a a racer so I can race it in the desert. Oh, nice! Um, and then uh, I have another bike of a friend um, who basically lives in like edmonton i think now he lives super far north in canada mm-hmm. um actually uh sean do you know jimmy walsh oh shit i know jimmy walsh yeah you do oh yeah yeah, yeah. so i have i have a jimmy walsh's is uh motorcycle <laughs> jimmy walsh actually drummed for a band i was in for like a weekend like he did oh a really yeah uh he was yeah he's a nice dude yeah, really nice guy. Um, so he, he used to live in Orange County mm-hmm. for a while, and I was playing in a band with him for a brief moment. You might know, um, you might know another ex-band mate of mine, then Courtney Minor. Do you know him by any chance? No. He was Courtney. he was buddies with Jimmy, um, but yeah. That name sounds familiar. Um, no. He lives in but, Orange yeah, County. So, so Jim Jimmy, um, Jim he basically. Uh, left for edmonton i think his wife is from there mm-hmm. but he had this new triumph not new but he was riding a triumph and he just needed to keep it in in california so um it does the rounds it like stays at someone's house for a couple like six months and it'll be at someone else's house for six months so i have it right now is it um, a newer triumph or like a 60s uh, or 70s triumph or? oh no it's newer oh, okay yeah it's like mid uh mid 2000s so oh, okay um, yeah but you know they still need maintenance because they're still modeled after the old bike sure um, sure um 
yeah, so I got that. I got another, my Triumph that I'm turning into a desert racer, and then I have my uh, the one I ride a lot is a Husqvarna, which is mm -hmm. like a your um, yeah. Swedish bike. Yeah, is um, it one of those sort of like? Is it like kind of those weird like enduro sort of like? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like all the bikes I have are, are I've turned into like um, dirt, like kind of dirt street kind mm -hmm. of. They're called scramblers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've turned into that, but it's been, it's like, it's a pretty cool, um, I know it's kind of like either, <laughs> it's like old hardcore dudes or punk dudes either go into like MMA or fucking riding motorcycles or like becoming barbers. Or, I was about to say becoming barbers. <laughs> yeah. Or, or opening coffee shops, you know, that's like the four things, you know, um, but yeah, so that's kind of got you know i got the motorcycle bug and i always used to want to ride and i learned how to ride in india because my uncle mm -hmm. you know they ride everyone rides a motorcycle out there but my uncle had a really old honda mm -hmm. um and i learned how to ride ride on that when i was like 15 16 um um but and so yeah it's just something that I, I took up when i moved to la and it was like a bigger culture of it and um mm -hmm. Now it's like it's one of the things that prevents me from moving anywhere else in the country because <laughs> I, wanna, I just want to ride motorcycles yeah. all the time. You don't want to live in fucking New York City riding a bike, that's uh -uh. for sure. No, well, it's... I mean, I don't. I try not to ride in LA in the proper LA because it's a mm -hmm. fucking nightmare. I've already gotten one accident, so oh, anytime we ride, we try to get the fuck out of the city. You know, yeah, like, and that's where California comes in. It's like amazing here because you go, yeah. I can literally go twenty five minutes outside the city and I can be somewhere where there's Mm -hmm. no not that many cars and no one's out to fucking get you you know yeah well so the funny thing for me is i i grew my dad was a biker so i grew up around that culture oh, yeah. and i rode motorcycles when i was a teenager but at this mm -hmm. point in my and i've always liked them but at this point in my life i'd actually i'm scared of them at this point i'm just like man i i i'm afraid i'll lose my balance because my sinuses are kind of fucked up so oh, it's yeah. like uh it's 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 scary for sure i mean when i first yeah. got on it i'm like you know and you're going down the freeway for the first time like what the hell am i doing like, <laughs> yeah especially in la with that shit yeah, yeah i'm like i could die at any fucking minute mm -hmm. uh and it's literally like that but it's become that that line that you tow is like a there's a meditation that happens for me you know because i mm -hmm. deal with a lot of mental I, I was dealing with a lot of mental health issues and um you know, you have these thoughts of like suicide and, and like, God, you know, I, I don't feel, I don't feel like worth it. And it was happening a lot. And I thought it'd be, you know, LA would change that, but it actually, you know, with my teaching position and music was kind of like, blah, you know, it, it really exasperated everything. And let me tell you something that's going to fucking wake you right up is getting on a motorcycle and going down the freeway for at like 90 miles an hour mm -hmm. you're like oh you want to die well you can do it right now if you want to <laughs> and i'll snap <laughs> you right out of it <laughs> yeah yeah have you, you know do, so, you, do you talk to jamie mason at all anymore or? i do i talk to jamie mason once in a while yeah because yeah, i know he got uh, into he was, bikes too yeah he got into bikes uh and jody did too for a little bit yeah yeah r.i.p yeah um, that's a that was a weird yeah. one to... that was a weird one when that happened it, it was like it was it sucked yeah actually me i remember when he passed me mm -hmm. benai uh me benai ed and larry mm -hmm. uh 
from Pelican. We yeah. all met up in LA. Um, like, I mean, because the three of them live in LA, I think Benaya was visiting and we all met up and, you know, had lunch and just kind of like, you know, talked about Jody and kind of yeah. reminisced, you know, had drinks with him, and, you know, just, yeah, you know, it, the four it, of us were really close, close to him. You know, we all grew up with him and, you mm-hmm. know, Benaya played in a band with him and fucking Larry played in a band with them. We played, played in a band, band with them. Yeah, we played in a band with them. So it was like, yeah, it hit pretty, that one hit pretty hard because um, he was just a, a fascinating personality from Chicago and mm-hmm. he definitely, you know, left his mark on, on me as a musician and as like a friend, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. Like I remember getting a text actually from my cousin who was dating a girl who kind of knew Jody, but she knew that mm-hmm. I was friends with him. And it's like, so I was like, what? Jody died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was like what, um, I guess like, uh, I talked to Jamie Mason once in a while. Um, just through Instagram, though, nothing, nothing yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but if I ever go up to like Portland and Seattle, I'll definitely hit him up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, cause I'm still friends with a lot of, um, the, him and the drummer from there were wires, mm-hmm. you know, they were from Boston and yeah. Ryan, the drummer and I were roommates for like a year and a half in oh, Boston. Oh. And, um, so, and then he, I think went to become a tattoo artist. And then he started like shirts, that company shirts and destroy with Kevin from hope conspiracy. And that, uh, that a store like in the late. The late aughts is that what they call them now? The late zero yeah. zeros, um, uh, in New York, and then they kind of parted ways, and he now lives in um, upstate New York, hmm. and he's he's a artist and illustrator. Now he's got back into ta- he now is a tattoo artist too. He got back into it, but he was riding motorcycles for a while too. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, uh, you have any any burning questions, Sean, or? Um, I mean, <laughs> you know how that goes. Ah, so um, you know what prompted the move from from the East Coast out to the West Coast? Um, at that time, I had quit teaching because I had just was super burnt on it, and I was basically living off a lot of the money that I made teaching, which is crazy to even say. <laughs> Um, but I lived in Chicago in like a punk house, like, let's just say not a, let's just say a, a adult punk house, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone was over the age of 30, I believe. Uh, and we were living in this house and, um, our, my rent was like 340 bucks a month. And so I just like stockpiled all the money I was making teaching. And then uh, when I was asked to, you know, when our, our school got shut down and my principal was like, well, they're going to shut us down. So you can leave after your, you know, your contract's up if you want. Um, I'm like, cool. So I did. And then I was like doing odd jobs here and there, like tutoring and some consulting and um, for education. And I was in a serious relationship at that time and with someone for about almost like six years. And it, you know, com- like completely collapsed and uh, we were about to get married and stuff. And it just kind of, you know, 
completely fell apart, and uh, it was a huge fucking uh, turning point in a way. Like, just hit me like I didn't think it was going to hit me, and I stayed in, but I had nothing going on at the time. Like, I didn't have a job, like a serious job. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. I had no real bands. Um, a lot of the guys from Boston were living, some of them were living in New York, and they're like, dude, you should move out to New York. And then I was like, well, at least maybe I can do some stuff out there musically. Um, I just wanted to get out of Chicago. And so, like, what happened was I still stayed in Chicago for about six months. And then HopeCon finished our last recording that we did, it was a seven inch called True Nihilist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got released, I think, in 2009 or two, yeah, 2000, late 2009. Um, and then 2010, that that January, we left for tour. Um, the guys from Hope and Spirits were like, well, let's do a tour. Let's do three weeks. Um, and let's, you know, they're like, let's get you the fuck out of Chicago, dude. Let's just do it. Let's fucking set up a tour. We got a record, you know, we got an EP coming out. Let's tour on it and we'll do it on our terms. So we just book, you know, we, we had our booking agents in UK and here and um, we booked kind of our own shows and we played small venues and we had a fucking blast and we did all, all fly dates. And um, so it was a lot different than, than touring usually, but it really paid off for us. And, um, but you know, it was, it was a kind of a, awake reawakening where i was like what am i going to do now it's like i love playing music but this isn't going to be you know something i'm doing full time you know you get back on the road like that and you see some success and you're like fuck this is awesome (laughs) you know and then you come back you're like this isn't going to happen all the time so then Mm -hmm. uh came back and i I had decided to move to new york so i came back and was in new york for about uh i moved to new york probably in like uh in february after i got back from that tour and then i I uh, was flying out to LA a bunch because um, I actually, my friend Jared, who played in Suicide File with me, the drummer, he was playing in a bunch of bands and living in Los Angeles at the time. Um, and he's like, yo, man, I'm going on tour. I think he was going on tour. I don't know what band he's going on tour with, but he's like, I got, um, my apartment's going to be open and my car is here. I don't, you know, so here's the keys of my apartment. Here's the keys of my car, all you for a month. So I basically was like staying at his house for a month and I came out to LA just to kind of hang out and start some possible music uh, stuff out here. And I ended up like starting a band and recording. So then I was just in New York for a while trying to make it work. But New York is a very lonely city if you don't have people to hang out with um which i didn't realize and i would just find myself like walking up and down fucking in manhattan like i got a part-time job working on the upper east uh upper east side and i would just like walk from the upper east side all the way down to the lower east side you know (laughs) just like just like fucking evaluating my life you know the summer of new york and like it's such a bustling city and yet i still feel super alone and depressed sad you know um yeah, it was just super, super weird. Um, and so when I got to LA, there was a lot of people from, or when I was like visiting LA, I was like, wow, it's sunny all the time. It's like really pretty. It's like um, affordable. Like when I first moved to LA in 2010, it was like cheap compared to 
what it is now. It was like mm -hmm. so cheap. Um, and I was like living, you know, I didn't know I was gonna move out here because I was like, LA, that's, that place is, is corny and cheesy. I don't wanna fucking move to LA. And then I was out here so much. I was like, what am I doing in New York? So then I flew back to New York. I think it was after, the, after that a Louisville show, Rich. Oh, okay. And yeah, because uh, when I after, yeah when it's after Penny, yeah, it's like Rob's wedding, I think, right? Was that week? Oh no, no, it's was, it was after the Louisville reunion show. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Money had just gotten married. I remember because we were in Austin a week later. Craig and I got on a plane to go to Louisville for for the, the reunion show, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. then uh, I came back, and I think like maybe a month later, I couldn't find a job in New York, and so I decided to. Um, uh just i went to la for a month and i was like god i fucking really love it here and then uh all like there were friends from like philly and stuff that were out here friends some friends from new york dawson like it was kind of like a slow migration and i i was like oh there's a there's you know there's some good people here and then i went back to uh new york and i told Craig, hey man i'm moving to la he's like when he's like uh next week <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I moved to LA and uh, on my way out, I didn't have a job, but on my way out, uh, do you remember, do you know Carl Hensel? Uh, name sounds familiar. He used to play, he was played drums in that band from uh, Minnesota. Hardcore band. God, what were they called? Oh, fuck. But he was oh. in, he was also in Martyr AD for a while. Oh, okay. Um, and then he, I think, maybe tried out for an he, he was a good you know good drummer and uh he was working at bridge nine for a while mm -hmm. and then from bridge nine he ended up working um at epitaph and got hired as the as the main ceo to start their merch company hmm. so he, they had just started and I, i'm driving out to la i'm like well if i can't find a job in three months i'm just gonna go back to chicago and then on my way out he calls me he's like yo man are you moving to la i'm like yeah he's like you need a job i'm like yeah what do you for what he's like well i'm doing you know epitaph's fucking merch uh company now called krm and we need people you know we're just starting he's like obviously it's like it's not gonna be great pay but you know i know that you're overqualified you got all degrees and shit but if you need a job i'm like fuck yeah so i showed up and that i showed up on a on a Thursday or Friday, I remember driving in. I got a call from Jared, who plays drums at HopeCon, who was already ha living out here. And he's like, "Yo," and my roommate, this guy neighbor, who's from who was my roommate in Boston for a while. He's an old Atlanta guy, and I was moving in with him. And he was like, "Yo, I'm not at the house, and come to the show." And I go to the show, and it was Ink and Dagger with Jeff from Thursday singing. <laughs> And, and a bunch of like other bands and I show up and it's basically like I just showed up at a, to a show like in Philly or New York mm -hmm. like everybody was there it was like awesome hanging out and seeing everybody I'm like this is the best welcome I could ever have in a new city everyone was from like, you know there were people visiting and then there were people who had moved there and then uh some people from Boston as well um so it was good and then the next Monday following Monday I was at work at, at this merch company <laughs> i mean similar or fairly similar story is uh when i got there was in the process of getting divorced uh mm -hmm. um one of my oldest friends um i don't know if you know amy hong yeah, um, I know. From Chicago. I mean, okay i remember 
Yeah. Yeah. So she lived, she's lived in LA for God forever now. Um, and like, you know, I still talk to her fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. And, and when I was getting divorced, I was like, Hey, do you care if I come out to LA for a bit? And she took off for a week and I just like, she just like took me around and like, I ran into people that I had, you know, met in other places and that were either living there or visiting there. And, uh, she was, she was a Derby doll at the time. So we went out with like the LA Derby dolls and like, it was, I'm like, man, this is literally like the best week I've had in, you know, forever. And, you know, it was so much fun. And I was just like, you know, I was, I was so tempted to just drop everything in my life and just like up and move. Um, you know, but it was a, uh, it was a, it was a great time and, you know, a cool city. California yeah, does so that like, to people. Yeah. I moved out here and just felt like I was back in, in Boston in a way, but like in a, in a different phase of my life. Does that make sense? And everybody else that was there was also in that phase. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, I didn't feel like left out and feel, and it was just like, I made so many new friends and those new friends were friends of friends from the East coast, you know? Um, and then people that I knew in California from before, I realized I'm like, oh, LA and OC is so different because a lot of my friends who I knew through like indecision and, you know, touring with Suicide File, a lot of them were Orange County people. So when I moved to LA, I was like, oh, I'll see them all the time. And I was like, nope, because no one ever goes to Orange County and Orange County never comes up to LA. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, So then LA kind of had like, you know, most of my friends in LA are all transplants, you know, like a bunch of people from Alabama, Denver. You know, and then we find out as we're like hanging out for like already two months, we're like, oh yeah, dude, my hardcore band played HopeCon's first tour in Denver at the Black Cat or whatever. You know, I was like, holy shit, you know. Or, you know, one of my friends, Jason, who's a fucking amazing drummer who I know out here, he's a good friend of mine now. He's like, yeah, I played Chicago a ton because I was filling in on drums for the queers and all this other shit. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, it's like, I saw you play. Um, so yeah, LA just became like a very comforting and, and, um, friendly place and it it is pretty friendly relatively. And then like a year later I got, um, uh, I actually didn't want to get a teaching job, but, um, I got a little bit just fed up with, um, slinging t-shirts for hot topic bands. (laughs) (laughs) That'll happen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see where that loses its appeal. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I was working on uh, the singer from Bring Me the Horizons, like clothing line or some shit. Um, it was garbage, and I was just like, I can't do this. Like, this is no. I'm sorry, you know. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm there's people who can who can separate it. Be like, I love the music industry, and I know that I'm not gonna work with. Band, all the bands I work with aren't going to be ones I love, but you know, I, that's not for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like if I was going to start a label, it'd be, yeah, I'm signing, I want bands that I like, you know? And I know that everyone's like, well, you got to sign bands that are going to make money at some point. I'm like, I agree. I, I see that, but. Um, no, you don't. I-, <laughs> I do a label. I'm like, this band's not going to make any money, <laughs> but I love the band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you got the money that, yeah. But if you're looking at it from like, that's your soul fucking, you know, business model i guess you know whatever so i um 
like was looking for jobs actually for my friend Jared, who now is the who was in Suicide File, but now is a drummer for My Chemical Romance, you know. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, dude, I need to get a job." So him and I both were working at KRM at the time. He would show up when he was in between tours, and we just like you know pack shirts and records and stuff. And then, um, then he was like, "Yeah, man." Uh, I got to find another job, you know, I, I got, I want to start teaching. So then him and I went on Craigslist together and I was showing him how to fucking look for a, a drum teaching job on Craigslist. And when I was doing that, I found a fucking teaching position for the, like the same school curriculum <laughs> that I did uh, in Chicago. And I knew some of the people who were from that, from the school in Chicago that were involved with this school. And so I was like, fuck man, I don't want to be a teacher again. Uh, but I just submitted my resume for the hell of it just to see how what it was, how much it would pay and stuff. And fucking, they called me like in 10 minutes. <laughs> They're like, hey, can you come in for an interview? I'm like, oh, fuck. And then so I go in for the interview and like they offer me the job. And I'm just like, oh, shit, I got to fucking work a real job now. Uh, but yeah, then I took the position and I ended up working there till, for seven years, you know met my ex-wife there uh i had a nervous breakdown there <laughs> yeah so <laughs> and so I, I i have been in la ever since and since my divorce i thought about maybe i'd move back to um chicago a lot you know um my parents are getting older uh, i could be closer to my family who's there um help out yeah and, you know i'll be like but you know, being in my forties and living with your parents, I'd be like the four-year-old dude who lives in his parents' basement, and yeah. I'd be working at like a Jewel Osco or some shit, you know, bagging groceries, or like working at a Walgreens or some shit, you know. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do that. No. Um, well, the first step would be to pronounce it correctly. It's the Jewels. Jewels, yeah, Jewels Osco. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have known that. Jules Osco. Sean, are you from Chicago? Are you from Chicago area originally, or? Yeah, yeah. I was. Okay. Uh, I'm from the southwest suburbs, and then um, went to DePaul, and then graduated from there, and uh, moved to Philadelphia for like nine years, and then moved back, and have been in the city ever since. Oh, okay. Um, what suburb are you in? Southwest or south southwest? I, I was born in a town called Mokina, oh, but I then I went. Uh, and then my parents got divorced, and I uh, moved to Worth, the friendly village. Oh, which I know Worth, the friendly village. That's the fucking <laughs> water, the water tank that you'd see on two ninety four going all the way up. Yep, that's where I lived. <laughs> nice, nice. Is that is Worth near Homewood? No, it's uh, yeah. it's like near like Orland Park. Orland and, Park, that's right. Like, yeah, and um, Tinley Park area, right? Yeah, so it's like straight north of Tinley Park. Got it, got it. Um, yeah. Good old Tinley Park. Oh, okay. So like, that's where I grew up, and yeah, now now I'm on the northwest side. It's like me and everybody that came from Poland. Um, <laughs> it literally, when we bought our house, my wife was doing gardening in the front, and one of the neighbors walked up to her and started speaking Polish, and she's like, uh, I'm not Polish. And he oh, just wow. looked at her and goes, this house Polish, and then stormed off. <laughs> uh, Northwest, are you guys like by like Irving and I ninety? Um, I hey, I'm like a, I'm at Irving and like Harlem. 
Oh, okay, perfect. The fact right by Rolling Stone Records. Side, oh, yeah. Okay, I know exactly where you are. It's just so sure. crazy when you're from Chicago, you know exactly. Oh, Northwest Side, Polish neighborhood. I was like, God, Irv- it has to be Irving off of I-90. <laughs> <laughs> so Harlem and Irving, perfect. Harlem and Irving Plaza. There's a there's a whole, uh, we used, there was a practice space we used to practice there at on Harlem and Irving. Harlem and Irving Plaza. I remember that. Holy shit. Yeah, the hip mall's still there. It is really, yep. Oh wow, I thought malls were dead because I grew up near Woodfield Mall. That place, fucking. Yeah, no, no, the hip mall is still hopping. It's uh, a, wow. yeah. It's it's one of the few malls that is still hopping. But I I just went there yesterday and and uh, it was it was packed like it COVID didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like so weird when I come back to Chicago and I'll randomly see like a fucking truck with a Trump sticker. I'm like, wait, what? That's Chicago? Really? And I was like, wait a second. Yeah, Chicago definitely has fucking Trump supporters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like my my alderman. My alderman's a Trumper. Like he's the guy that when Fox News needs somebody to talk shit on Chicago, they yeah. call my alderman. And... uh and so that's why I go. That's why I go to his office and like fight with him. How is that? He hates he's my not guts. Beat up yet? That's crazy. Because he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> like oh. that's the reason. <laughs> that's but why. he he threw a fit because there was like a there's like this art space um, in the city. Then they uh, they had like a first Friday thing, but it was like a the entire building is all like art spaces. So everybody okay. had like the same first Friday. And you could just, you know, like an open house where you could go in and see what everyone yeah, yeah. was doing. And somebody had a whole thing where it's every single alderman in Chicago and they put like, uh, like cradle of filth type of me, like, you know, black metal makeup on them. No way. And, is... and it, it went like viral online and the alderman was fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh, that's so fucking hilarious. Yeah, I didn't. That's crazy. I mean, see, like stuff like that in Chicago, like obviously not the Alderman, but like, you know, knowing the neighborhoods and that stuff in Chicago is still um, like some of that stuff I miss, you know, because it's like Chicago's. If, if Chicago had the weather of LA, it'd be one of the best cities in the world, hands down. <laughs> I mean, it's rad even with shitty weather. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm talking now it's seven degrees outside um, oh, and and we're supposed to get a bunch of snow over the weekend. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I, it's still an awesome city. It just, you know, you deal with those three terrible months and yeah. and then yeah. three. But, it's more yeah, like I'd four or six. five. Yeah, I mean, months. well, I mean, you, you have three just, nice months because sometimes but, listen, listen, I, there. <laughs> I, well, I like I like I like it cool. I like nice, cool weather. So it's. You know, you get you get October, November, and even December is not bad. It's January, February. It's like the, the the end of December, January, February, and like the beginning of March. And then so you I'd get say, through those. I'd say up to the beginning of November, like because I do miss fall. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that much. Fall in Illinois is one of the best. And I grew up uh, in Schaumburg, and when I was growing up, when I was young, like really young. There was nothing past Schaumburg. I mean, there were some smaller suburbs, but it was all in, unincorporated. So it was all cornfields. And so I grew up like going to like hay rides and pumpkin patches that were for real pumpkin patch. You know, it was like, um, 
so like burning leaves and the sun you know so i so missed the fall in illinois but uh after like the first week of november i'm like fuck this (laughs) nope real real talk living in the south like i actually i don't want what i had in the upper midwest but like yeah i do miss like getting one or two snows like but do it around christmas time i'm good like that's that's oh yeah no like people are like you know here it's like when it rains in la it snows in the mountains and the mountains from here like i could be up in the snow in a half an hour yeah and everyone's like oh dude we're going you know drive two hours to go to mammoth which is like beautiful ski resorts and stuff and i'm like i don't want to see snow (laughs) sorry (laughs) you know i grew up in it like i used to play hockey on like you know ponds in my neighborhood it's like yeah i was able to handle my mom's like you have become super soft i'm like yeah i don't want to deal with it i don't ever want to start my car before like 20 minutes before i have to Uh, i don't want to get in scrape the fucking windows no thanks this is about the time of year where like many moons ago the onion had like this headline about Mm. like oh the temperature got up to 20 degrees in chicago better break out the shorts and it has this guy in standing in his shorts with a winter coat and every time i pops up like i see it i send it to big joe from lifeline records i was like it's like oh it's you (laughs) and he's just like he's just like every time he's just like i know he's like he's like i don't have a time when i stop wearing shorts yeah, I hang out with. So that's one person that I, I usually try to make it a point to see when I come to Chicago. Oh, I love big, I love Joe. Joe. Yeah. So Joe and I will like I'll hit him up and I definitely try to meet up with him all the time because he's been such a good friend. And he was really he really helped like suicide file out a bunch and holy fever out a bunch. He's just a good, great guy. And um, yeah, so it was like I'll never forget the story uh, with Joe. It's like I had just like. Maybe like two months since um, before I was about to move to New York um, and before I was about to like go on tour with HopeCon, right when my uh, girlfriend at the time in Chicago had broken up with me, I was still living in Chicago and, um, you know, during, like, you know, my fiance broke up with me, but I was like riding my bike from, I think I was doing a tutoring gig or something like that. And I was riding my bike and I remember seven seconds was playing at the Beat Kitchen and seven seconds is like one of my favorite bands hands down top three and i uh was trying i think big joe is doing the show and i texted him i'm like yo man i know i didn't do the tickets i didn't know if i was gonna go but is there any he's like dude you're in i will get you in come to the show so i rode my bike to b kitchen you know locked it up went inside and dude i fucking was up front singing every song it like made my night, man. I will never forget it. And for that, I'll be indebted to that dude forever because, man, it was awesome. Seven Seconds is one of my favorite bands, and I was in such a shitty fucking place. And singing along to those songs just like fucking flipped it, man. Flipped a switch. And funny thing is, someone took a photo of that show of that of that like show, and it came up in the Inter- Illinois Entertainer or the Daily Herald or something like that. And it's like a picture of me and this like young girl with X's on her hands, like singing up front, like just finger pointing. And I was like, holy shit. I'm in my thirties singing along with Kevin from Kevin seconds. This is fucking awesome. And yeah. Yeah. Last yeah. night, um, my wife and I went to see that movie licorice pizza 
Yeah. And uh, and one of the trailers was for this. Like Joe loves Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. and uh, whatever it that is like. I like I uh, like Foo Fighters up to Color and Shape and a couple songs off some of the other records, but now they just turn into like a beer commercial band. So, well, they've got a horror movie that's coming out where it's I've heard about this. <laughs> where it's like them where they rent a house to write their new album and like it transports Dave Grohl into like another dimension where he becomes a demon and he kills the rest of the band. And I'm sitting there the whole time and I'm just like, Oh my God, Joe, Joe's going to want to go see this. So I'm just texting him in the theater. I was like, Joe, I was like, I just saw this trailer and I'm like finding the trailer on YouTube to send to him. Uh, So I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to be going to opening night of that. Is it a comedy? Oh, it's it's like a it's like a Army of Darkness kind of you know Evil oh, Dead Two no kind of way. thing where it's it's like a horror comedy. Is it the um, whole band or just Dave Grohl? You know, honestly, I don't know anybody else in the band, so I they oh, made okay. they made it seem like it's the rest of the band, but okay. I, right. um, yeah, but I mean, right, the whole thing is they legit, are they're a band. Yeah, because there's some legit dudes with some punk history in that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like big big Joe and I, uh, we bond hard over our love of REM as hardcore dudes. Whoa, that's a that's a that's a deep cut for a alt band that people are still into. Oh yeah, I mean, like well, finally, a, like a, a wrong, but... like we the the record swaps, like the the record you know shows just started opening back up with COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Joe and I will either like meet up or like, you know, if one of us gets there earlier than the other, we're like texting us, texting each other pictures of, of REM records that they have. And, you know, whenever, whenever uh, one of the rare records that, you know, only had like one pressing of vinyl on Europe only, you ever, one ever pops up somewhere, you know, it's either me or Joe that's finding it, texting the other one. Such a good dude. Yeah, it's a great guy. So it's it's really it's really nice. I hit him up immediately when uh, I saw that flyer for seven seconds negative approach. So the jerks. I was like, I'm like, is this a real show that people are posting? Or is this like an old flyer? Like he's like, no, this tour is really happening. I'm like, oh my god! And I just went and bought tickets asap because that show is gonna be fucking incredible. You know, I just saw a negative approach in God was it early December, uh-huh. um, in at Reggie's and they were so oh, good. Shit. Really? That would have been they were insane so good. to see them. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen them in forever and, and they were they were so good. And, and like the the singer's gotta be like in his sixties. Oh, and he's so angry still. I know. It's just like it doesn't <laughs> and it's funny when he gets to the merch table, he's just real nice, but then he gets on that stage and it's just like it's just like you see the rage boiling rage. up in his face. He's like, God, I've been a working class fucking Detroit dude for fucking fifty years. Fuck everything and just goes to town. They're so awesome. That band is so awesome. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a show that I'm definitely coming out of retirement for. Stage diving and, and I'm gonna be in the pit, man. Fuck. I can't wait. I was thinking of coming to Chicago for that show too, so I still might do that. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that myself, but I'm going to New York like a week or two before that, and I'm going to see Verbal Assault, and I don't think I can swing. Oh, you're going to that show? Yeah. Who's playing that in New York? 
Um, well, it's Verbal Assault and mm-hmm. uh, fuck Tim Singer's uh, newer band. Um, oh yeah, Better Branches. Better Branches and mm-hmm. oh, that band's good. I forget mm-hmm. who else is actually playing, but Man, it, it actually fucking good. yeah, and actually in this situation, it it I'm not traveling there for that. My wife and I planned a vacation, and it just so happened oh, okay. to fall into place like that. Nice. So. Uh-huh. Sure, Rich. <laughs> You're like, let's go on vacation to where? New York. Around this time. Um, no, I knew a lot of people from out here, too. When that Verbal Assault show got announced, it was like, I got so many texts. Being like, are we going to do this? Are we doing this? And I'm like, I love Verbal Assault, but not a band that I'm like going to fly out to go see. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll probably get out to, I, I imagine. Yeah, and I was like, we know that they're going to play the, the West Coast. You know, it's like, yeah. if they're going to do that, you know. Um, but, you know, that, I think those shows will be really good. Yeah, so like seven seconds, they approach and Circle Jerks, man, I'm going to fucking lose it. I hope that my body can keep up, man. <laughs> old, old man, I got to start, like, hitting the treadmill or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> COVID has not done me, done me well, man. I've been just downing pints of fucking vegan Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I don't think, I don't think, uh, COVID has done well for most people's, uh, (laughs) figures. Yeah. I was getting into better shape and then I just stopped getting into better shape. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, when we're old, it's hard. Yeah. Really hard, man. It's hard to get motivated. I'm just like, shit, I can't get motivated. My therapist is like, it's fine. There's existential dread all over. I'm like, great. Yeah, the world's going to end. Fucking the, pol- the political system's fucked up. You know, climate change, all this other shit. And then you're like, you know, you're supposed to stay motivated and work out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when you're older, it's just you got to do it more to see any effects of it, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to when you're like in your 20s or 30s. So, yeah. I'll tell myself, all right, today I'm going to run, or today I'm going to jump rope, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to watch, like, what I'm doing? Oh, all I do now is, I don't even watch, like, TV shows, like, on Netflix. I'll just watch Seinfeld, Golden Girls, <laughs> and All in the Family. That's the three shows that I just, like, they're on basically repeat. I think for me, the motivation is just, I need to eat less today, and then we'll see if I actually manage to live by that. <laughs> Man, like, it's funny because today I had, I had quite, I'm having quite the crazy two weeks because I've been in like a training for um, my job and we have like some exams and stuff that we take um, for a certification. So it's been pretty crazy. And today was like the first day I had to kind of breathe a little bit. So I just went out. There's this place called Solely Vegan that's like mm-hmm. maybe like 20 minutes away from here. And I was like, got some fucking deep fried seitan, some mashed potatoes. <laughs> and some corn cornbread and went to town. Yeah. And I was like, man, I haven't eaten like and 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 a Coca-Cola, which I haven't drank Coke in a long time, but damn, does that shit taste good. <laughs> a lot of ice. Yeah, so it's the little things, you know, I don't, I'm not into drugs or drinking, so it's like you know, I eat, that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, I like I I wasn't ever a heavy drinker. I was like I was like social drinker like i would drink half a beer or something but yeah, yeah that's how, during that's covid yeah. during covid i just i was like you know what? i don't want to drink anymore and i just mm-hmm. gave it up 
which is weird because it's like this time started people most people started drinking more. Yeah, more. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to drink it anymore. So it's uh, I've substituted with, you know, cookies and ice cream, which is yeah. bad, bad swap. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know which is worse. That I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, and then like I started because I was having a lot of uh, sleep issues, so I started yeah eating um, not CBD but the just basically I guess cannabis like either cookies or you know mints or whatever. And I was like. And I never had, I'm not, like, I've n- never had done, like, smoked weed or anything before, you know, so all this stuff was, like, new, and I was like, oh, this shit is awful. It <laughs> 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 just, like, puts me to sleep, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this shit. And so, like, yeah, I just eat now, you know, it's like ice cream, cookies, uh, um, whatever, pizza at, like, fucking two in the morning. <laughs> That that's the beauty of LA is LA New York it's things are open like yeah, Chicago yeah. shuts down it's like a it's like a blue collar city so it's like everything shuts down by like 10 11 o'clock at night and you're like shit especially in my neighborhood like everything is closed by like 10 o'clock I miss when pick me up at least was open all night Yeah, you got really quiet. Yeah, you got real quiet, Naraj. Oh, weird. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, Naraj, it has been super awesome. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun just chatting. I can hear Rich putting on his pajamas while we're... (laughs) (laughs) I work from home. I don't ever get out of my fucking pajamas. I work. Uh, it's it's essentially like supply chain stuff. I I work for an industrial supplies company, finding out where their shipments are and that kind of stuff. Um, oh, like basically American backhaulers, but better. yeah, yeah, but better pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at some point again, I haven't been to Southern California in a decade, but next time I'm out there, I, we definitely need to hang out. Yeah, for sure, man. Anytime. Yeah, Sean, next time I'm in uh, Chicago, let's definitely try to meet up if there's no Megatron uh, COVID. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I live I live uh, 10 minutes from Big Joe, so nice. um, I, I'm there regularly. I'm good friends with his roommate, too. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's good. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and uh, everybody, if you haven't, um, I mean, Naraj has been in some like stupid, awesome bands. Um, definitely go check them out. Um, you, you will do yourself a favor. If you haven't, you will, uh, you will have an enjoyable experience. Um, for everybody else, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, hit subscribe. However you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, tune in Google play, Spotify, all of those goofy places. Um, and uh, hit like on them as well. And uh, share this with your friends. That's how we grow this show. And thanks so much for listening. Um, and uh, and Naraj, give us give us one band everybody should listen to that maybe that's uh, they haven't listened to before. Um, 
which unfortunately they broke up. But uh, I I was never this amped after hearing a demo. Uh, and that band would be Gloss. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my God, they're so good. I like lost my shit. I was just listening to this. I'm like, who is this fucking band? Holy shit! It was angry. It had this like kind of like rocky kind of punk. Oh God, I loved it. I was like, this band is incredible. Um, so. I'm gonna go listen to that now. Actually, I haven't heard it in a few months. But <laughs> yeah, that that's a band I'd say um, there should be more bands like that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Niraj. Uh, it's been awesome. Yep. Cool, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Good catching me. up.